So if you haven't already, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. And if you haven't got the sermon notes, there's not specific notes other than just a blank page. Um, tonight we're celebrating the birth of Jesus, right? And he is the reason for the season. And the story, when you look at the birth of Jesus Christ, is told in two places. It's told in the Gospel of Matthew, and it's told in the Gospel of Luke. You would think that maybe it would be in every Gospel, but it's not. It's just in these two. And I think it's because it ultimately isn't the overarching focus of the life of Christ. We'll see, though, the key pieces of information are in these stories. We're going to primarily just ultimately be in Matthew chapter 1. But when you look at these two accounts, Matthew's and Luke's account, and you piece it together, there's a lot of information that's missing. Things that we all want to know, like what was the exact date? What time of day was it really when he was born? Who was really around? Was it really a manger with animals? Um, how much did baby Jesus cry, right? And then the big one, what was the weight and height? For those of you who have known uh, me over the years, and when I was first the pastor, and I'd say, oh, so-and-so had a baby. I didn't give weight and height. And now, oh, my goodness, I thought I was going to be skewered. You know, oh, you got to have weight and height. You got to have like, weight and height. Yeah. So we don't have the weight and height of Jesus. All right? Um, I don't know what else you'd like to hear about, whatever, what other pieces of information. But it's amazing how much is missing. And I believe what is the most important birth of all of human history, along with one other one, yours. Because every one of you, every one of you, to you, your birthday is special. And obviously you coming into the world is what is important for you. But for all of humanity, the birth of Jesus Christ is the most, I think, important birth of all time. Now, one thing we do know about the birth of Jesus is how he got his name, the naming process. And that is really what we're talking about tonight. What is, what's in a name? That's our sermon title. If you have your sermon in front of you, what's in a name? And we're going to look at two names of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. Do you know that there are over 200 names given to Jesus? When I say names, names like Jesus as well as titles. And... There's a website, it's a Facebook site that lists all 200. I was looking at them today. We're not going to go through all 200. I might reference more than just these two. But um, we're going to focus mainly on these two. Let's look at the text. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, and it says this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be a child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. 
And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her as a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now you talk about, we're looking at the birth of Jesus, and you talk about the Gospel of Matthew, that's the line. There's only like one little line dealing with the birth of Jesus, real succinct, birth of Jesus. Look at that. But he kept her a virgin, and she gave birth to a son. Boom, that's it. You know, it's not embellished or anything along that line. But I tell you what, look at the, this, this section, and did anything strike you? Did it ever hit you that Jesus gets two names? I mean, he gets the name Jesus, he gets the name Emmanuel. Like, is it confused? And, and, is, and, and which one is it? Like, did they get two texts together and, and somebody messed this up? Um, is Emmanuel a middle name? Well, we're, we know that ultimately, because we see over and over and over, Jesus is referenced by that name, Jesus, that Emmanuel must be a title. And we'll talk about that in a second. But it is very, very interesting how this one section of Scripture has the two names. And I don't know if it's ever really stuck out to you. Oh, there's two names. Two names for this little baby. And, like, were they fighting over it? You know, it's like Grant and Annie are fighting over a name. And, you know, yeah, we're looking at you. You know, I want this name. I want that name. And I was thinking, as I was talking about this, I was thinking about this, I was thinking, you know, all continents all over the world have different naming processes from Africa to Europe to America. And <clears throat> there's all different ways people come up with a name, right? It, first and foremost, so much we name after a relative. Like in my family, everybody's named John. My middle name's John. My dad's John. My brother's John. My grandfather's John. My cousins are John. I have multiple cousins named John. I have great-great-grandfather's John. I don't know if you guys all know this, but my father... My father was named after his brother. His brother was born, um, I think, like in 1910. And he went swimming when he was 19, 20 years old, and he drowned. And, and he died, and it so impacted my grandmother in 1936 that when my father was born in 1938, he was named after his brother. That, that was really weird because I remember going to the gravesite and looking at my dad's name um, and, like, Wow, John, John Matissic. So anyway, we all have stories of how relatives' names are influencing the names that we give to our children. And I'm sure you guys could tell me about how that is in your family. But there's another way that we name children. We name them sometimes after a trait. Um, Esau in the Bible was red, right? Harry, and you know, he's given that name. And so um, the land of Edom. Um, was because of its redness, it's tied to Esau. Those are the descendants of Esau. And so it's like we just got this little dog. Those of you guys who have heard, we got a new addition to our house. We got a little dog, and we got him. He was full of hair, and so we called him Harry. All right? And it's amazing. Once you start naming something, we, Josh kicked it around. Do we, let's change the name to Buddy. But even after like three, four days, I feel like we're stuck with Harry because that's you know, once you name something, it seems like the stick. Um, but a trait, some of you get a name or maybe it's a nickname and that stays with you when someone gives you that name because of a, a trait or a characteristic you have. The third way that people give people names is a hope that they have for their kids, all right? So Ella Joy, so that you will always be a joy. My daughter, I don't know if you guys all know, I, I kind of messed up. <laughs> I 
did well in school, but I messed up when I named my daughter. I took my Hebrew. I, took, I wanted to give my daughter a name for my hope for her that she would be a woman of God. So I took the Hebrew word for God, El, Hebrew word for woman, Isha, and I put them together and made it El Isha and thinking woman of God, El Isha. But I didn't realize the Hebrew doesn't work that way. But since I'm in charge, I made the name. So El as an elephant, Ish as in fish, uh, as an amoeba. I used to sing. I would sing to my daughter. You know, <laughs> you guys aren't impressed with that. But my son got the name Joshua because Joshua means God is my salvation. And I wanted him to grow up that God would always be his heart's desire, his salvation. Okay? So I'm sure every one of you has a different story. Sometimes I'd like to hear why you were named, what you were named, and how you got your name. Okay? And why I'm going into this is because names are important to God. And turn back in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 3 because when we talk about these names and we go back to Matthew chapter 1 in a second, I think it's important that we just have a quick reminder how God even introduces himself. The book of Exodus chapter 3 is that great passage in verse 13. Moses wants to know, you know who this in the burning bush is, and he wants to know who's the God that's going to deliver his people. And I've been doing a study, and I think sometimes we forget that Israel has been in the nation of Egypt for like 400 years, and they don't have any scriptures. They have they have absolutely nothing. Think about that. They know nothing about God. They've got no scriptures. They've got they don't have the book of Genesis. They don't have they have a story from Abraham and that's all they have. And so God is asked in verses 13, look at verse 13. Then Moses said to God, behold, I am going to the sons of Israel and I will say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now days, now they may say to me, who is or what is his name? And the word name is the Hebrew word Shem. What is his name? What is his Shem? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. Okay, you can write above that Yahweh. That's whenever you hear the way Yahweh, that's the essence. That is, if we want to parse Hebrew verbs, and present tense, God literally takes the present tense for the verb to be and says, that's my name, Yahweh, I am. So whenever you say Yahweh, you're just saying the Hebrew word, you know, in essence, close to it, I am. And it is the very nature of who he is. Think about that, because when you come to the New Testament in, in the book of Hebrews, without faith, it is impossible to please God and to believe that he is. God is. And so this Yahweh is by, in his very nature, God is telling us that he exists. And, and, and you begin to get this idea of eternality and the, the very ongoing presence that God is one who always exists. And he reveals that right from the beginning in his very name. Now, there's tons of different names for God, but this is the very first one that we get in scriptures. And I think it's really interesting. And as you read through the book of Genesis, it, there's an interesting play on names. God will be using different people's names right from the beginning. Adam 
is like a word that means like from the redness. Did you know that there's a thought that man was, when God made Adam, we, we know that the skin pigment gene is in everybody. So every skin color is in you. So every person, we're all brothers and sisters, but different, you get different emphasis, different, however, you know, however the pigmentation plays out in on all of us. But it's fascinating. The, the word Adam means redness. And the thought was that God gave Adam that name because it might be that he had a more reddish skin. It also has a little connotation towards earth because Adam was built from, brought from the earth. And sometimes there was red land and hence they'd call that earth. In the scriptures, there's always a choice when you see the word Adam. Are you talking about land or are you talking about the name Adam? And we won't get into that. But you go through the Bible and in the book of Genesis, how God takes names like Abram. Does anybody remember what Abram meant? It meant high father. And he says, I'm in charge of you and I'm going to change your name and I'm going to make it Abraham, which means a father of a multitude. He does that in Genesis 17. And then he takes his wife's name, Sarai, which means my princess, and he turns it to Sarah, which means mother of nations. And so God, through the name, shows the expectation, like I said, the hope that he had for both of them, that Abraham would be the father of a multitude and Sarah would be the mother of nations. And we know how he changes Jacob's name to Israel, which reveals the struggle that Israel would have. And so all of that God does with with um, with names, and that's just a sample. Now you turn back to Matthew chapter 1, and you come to the first name, and it's Jesus, right? And verse 21, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Now, some of you have heard that Jesus is the, is the New Testament or the Greek form of Joshua, and it is. It seems like it's a common name, Joshua. Well, God wanted Jesus to be reminded as a person, as a child, as an adult, that his very name means God saves. And I think there's so many different dynamics in it because it, it was the emphasizing his purpose in life, his process in life, what he was to do, what people were to look for him for. And even in the scripture, as you see, it's almost like an explanation. His name, his name will be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And so here, right in the beginning, we get this name of one that is going to deliver first the Jew, and then we know the world, for God so loved the world. And, you know, when sin destroys your life, then you so much need Jesus. When sin takes a father two days before Christmas and death comes to a family, it's hard. And all of us, if we've lived long enough, we've had to deal with death. And if we've lived long enough, we've had to deal with the ravages of sin. I've said before, and I'm not going to get too passionate about it, but I absolutely hate sin. I hate the way it destroys lives. I hate the way it's impacted my life the dumb things that I've done, the stupid things I've done. And as I even mentioned on Sunday, not only does it make you a prisoner and it traps you sin and controls you, but 
because of sin, death hangs over you. And there's always the awareness that your life could end, and, and not only does it end, but it gets worse because you go to this place called hell, which is permanent and painful, and the reality of it is, is there was no escape from it. And so it's being delivered from the penalty of sin that I think we really just think, I am so glad this little baby got this name, the one who saves, okay, um, or emphasizing God saves. And so how much do you think Jesus, as a youth, was told his name, and as he studied the scriptures, and as he came to a greater understanding of who he was, that he would be the Savior, and the, the ultimate act of dying to pay the penalty for our sin was his very namesake, God saves. And so when you think of the name Jesus, think about how important the very essence of what his name means. Then you go down to the next name, and you see this name in verse 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us, as we get the explanation. And, and as I said, there's nowhere in Scripture that we ever see Jesus called Emmanuel. And it's not like it's a middle name. Why didn't we get it here? Well, I think because we can look back at it now, we can see the fulfillment of, from the book of Isaiah and the translation that Emmanuel means God with us. We understand that, that we come to a comprehension that Jesus was God who became a man. He's God. He's with us. The us is humanity. And we should just at times marvel at this. I think this is almost like a title, but it's more of a sense of telling us, again, like Yahweh gives a sense of being, Emmanuel gives a sense of being because he is God. Now, I'll tell you, and I think it's important, the study of doctrine, theology makes all the difference in the world. And when you contemplate saying, oh, Emmanuel, it's important that you say to yourself, God is an eternal being. And as much as I try to wrap my mind upon it, I can't get out the fact that he never had a beginning. He never has an end. I can't figure out how he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. Okay? And you go through all of the attributes of God, and I had those down, omnipresent, omnipotent, and he's omniscient. He's all-knowing. And then you think about this baby put in a manger and this being that created space that has no end from all that we can see. Yeah, they tell me it's 14 billion light years across, but I can't even begin to fathom that. There's been this picture on Facebook that's been going around where it's got this like tiny, tiny little speck, and it's got all the planets, and they're all specks, and then it's got this giant ball for the sun. I don't know how many of you have seen it. And then with a little arrow at one of the tiny little specks, and it's just like, remember, you live here. And it's just a great reminder. That's just in our galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy, that this segment of planets and stars are all brought together. And yet we know there are billions of stars and we're billions. There's billions, billions, billions of different stars and planets. And God created all of it. 
Bill was telling me before the service, he was reading Revelation, and he was reminding me of the passage where it's like a hundred million angels are, are, are praising God in one scene. And you think about the fact that all of these were created, and so who made them? God did, and yet God is this baby. I, that's why I want you, when you say, oh, this baby, we call him Emmanuel. It's like, oh, you know, like, oh, how cute. We're giving him this name, like little Gucci Gucci. It's like, um, it's Emmanuel. It's God with us. And so when we look into this birth, we have to marvel. We know that the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 2 that the angels wonder about the salvation we get. Part of it, I think their wonderment is like, how in the world, why in the world does this God that we worship and that we, we watch is someone that became a human and then died for these people? Because the only way salvation works is if he's God. Remember, the wages of sin is death, death of a human. No human could ever pay this penalty. The only way the penalty could be paid is if God did it. And if you ever question with your life and you wonder, does God love me? You've just got to come back to the fact that it was God who came to earth to die to pay the penalty for sin. Absolutely he loves you. And so what's in a name? The very nature of God, the very nature of this person, this baby, Jesus, that he's God with us. And so as you look at this, I, I think it's fascinating <clears throat> that there are so many scriptures and so many references to the name of Jesus. And I just want to read. I was going to have you turn there. Listen to these verses. You jot these down. There's just I'm going to read off four that talk about how when we think of our faith now and our religion, how we call upon the name of Jesus, right? We pray in the name of Jesus. What are we doing? We're not just saying this magical incantation, Jesus. I think we're relying on the person, his his character as one person said his fame fame in the sense of his very essence of who he is and all that he represents and over and over and over listen to these passages like romans 1 5 where the apostle paul says we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of what his name so that all people would know about his name and who he represents and what he is so his name among all the nations. Romans 9, 9, verse 17 says that we proclaim Christ because that his name might be proclaimed in all the earth. His name that everybody should hear about. Romans 15, 9 says, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing your name. We sing songs with his name in it. And Romans 10, 13, Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Think about that, because no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter how dark of a situation you are in, you call upon him. He hears. And again, not a magical incantation. One pastor said this, referring to the name of Jesus Christ. When we say his name and we recognize his name, this person is not to be dealt with in private. He is not to be hidden a hidden essence in your heart or in your closet. He is to be public. He's to be globally known, acknowledged as a person with an identity that people talk to and people talk about, that people praise and sing about. 
The emphasis on his name goes with an emphasis on his public, outward, global claim to get people's attention. That the whole world knows his name. And tonight, that's why we're going to light these candles in a second. Because we want the world to know about the light. One of the names of Jesus, he's the light of the world that comes into the world. So what is in a name? And as a person, sometimes it's everything because it reveals his character. Now, the names of Jesus tell us about how worthy he is of your belief in him, why you should trust in him. It's God, Emmanuel, the one who saves, the one who's paid the penalty for your sin. Now, here's my question. What does your name say about you? What does your name say about you? Because when people say your name, they reference your fame. They know who you are. And what does God think about your name? Remember, a name represents who you are. And then as you live your life, it reflects a reputation, a character. And I was thinking at this Christmas time, you know, there are many different characters around the Christmas story from a secular standpoint. I say the name Santa Claus. I say the name Santa, and you automatically think of a certain individual. I say the name Rudolph, and you think of a certain individual. You know, right? Something's conjured in your mind. Rudolph, all those things. Those are all names and beings and stories and stuff. I was thinking, I wanted to tell you as we get closing, if I said the name George Bailey, what do you guys think about? You think about the guy from the movie A Wonderful Life, right? And the reason I say that is because, and I was so wishing Courtney was here. You can tell her this story after. <coughs> Courtney loves the movie. Wonderful Life, George Bailey, if you haven't ever seen the movie, is a story about a man whose name, in the end, represents his reputation. He's a man in this movie that comes to a point where he wishes that he was dead. And he wishes that, that he was not just dead. Does everybody remember? He wishes that he was never Never born. And at the end of the movie, when it's all said and done, when it's all said and done and it's over, he is so thankful that he was born because, you know, and the movie plays a sentimentality as if everybody's great and everybody should have recognized how important it is that they were born. But I wanted to leave you with a little challenge today because if I were to say the name to you, Judas, what is the name Judas reference? A person who was a traitor. And Judas, I don't know if anybody else in all of Scripture, where in Matthew chapter 26, Jesus says, the son of perdition, because that's another name for him, it's meaning the son of hell, it would have been better for him if he was never born. Think about that. Judas ultimately rejected Jesus, went to hell, and God basically is saying, it would have been better if he was never born. I don't want any of you to have a name on that equivalent. How could you get a new name? How could you have a great name when you believe in Jesus? And I just wanted to have you turn as we're going to end and think about the impact. Turn to your Bibles in Revelation chapter 2. And I just want to read three verses. And I want you to think about your name. And I just think this isn't by accident. How names become so important. It's like, what's in a name? Remember, what's in a name? Because in the book of Revelation, 
there's this description, I believe, of Jesus walking amongst the churches, and every church has challenges, and every church gets blessings. And it's fascinating when we put them all together that three of the churches have passages regarding names. And the overcomer is the believer, the person that goes through life and stays faithful. And, and, and we know you can't lose your salvation, but it's evidence of people when they go through trials, they stay faithful. And I put that out there. Look at chapter 2, verse 17. This is the church at Pergamum. And so here is a message that goes out. At the end of every one of the seven churches, he who has an ear, let him hear. This is like a message as we studied it for all time. Let him who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, and I will give him a white stone and a new name written on the stone, which no one knows but he who receives it. One day, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're going to get a name that no one else knows. Isn't that interesting? How God is personalized. Now, I don't know about you, but I freak out because I like my name, Michael. But <laughs> I don't know what name I'm going to get. But it's a new name. You will get a name that will be special just to you for all eternity. But it's only to people who are overcomers. These are people who have placed their faith in Jesus. Will you be one of those people? Look over in chapter 3, the church at Sardis, verse 5. And it says, he who overcomes, thus will be clothed in white garments. White garments, a symbol of righteousness. And it says, and I will not erase his name from the book of life. Your name is in this book. And this isn't like you lose salvation. I think it's the, it's the very essence of life. The people who are sent away, I believe the people who get names that they wish they were never born, they will be erased. But your name will never be erased. And I will confess his name before my father. Jesus says your name and says this is one who gets to go into heaven. And like I was talking to somebody today, and we were wishing, boy, it'd be nice if people didn't have to go into judgment. But the reality of it is that there is a judgment. And the people who have the right name and get this new name and get a name that's confessed will have a name that God the Father hears and says, let this name go into heaven. And then lastly, over in chapter 3, verse 12, the church, the faithful church at Philadelphia, he says, He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will not go out from it anymore. And I will write on him what? The name of my God. Now, I don't know how this will be written, how this will be either like metaphorically or symbolically, but somehow the name of God will be so identified with you that it's like, written on you. Maybe it's going to be written into your new DNA. It will be a name. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God. So not only do you get the name of God, but you got God's city. And I think it's part and parcel of identifying you as a citizen of God's heaven, his new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and my new name. So what's in a name? I sure hope I sure hope it, the new name reflects your character. And I hope right now if people were to say your name, like they'd say, oh, I know Mike Matissick. They would say, this is a person that I know really lives for God, and he believes in God, and he's born again. This salvation is offered to everyone. Christmas is not about a man in a red suit. It's about a baby whose name was Jesus, and his name means God saves. And his name is also Emmanuel, and he 
was God who came to die to pay the penalty for your sins. Another name that is called Jesus in the list that handles Messiah, he's the Prince of Peace. And tonight, if you have no peace, the only way to ever get peace is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And he gives you a peace that surpasses all understanding. So now, as we take time and we're going to get the candles passed out, I want you to think about how one name, Jesus being the light of the world, is to shine into the world. And people are to know the other aspects, the name of Jesus, the name of Emmanuel, the name of Wonderful Counsel, Prince of Peace, Mighty God, Eternal Father. All the different names that Jesus has, but focus on light of the world. And as you sing the song, really challenge yourself and say to yourself, do I really know Jesus? And if you do, then look at this light and say, I've got to make him known. But if you don't, I'll cry out tonight and say, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. I want to believe. And if you've been struggling with faith, then say to yourself, God, help my unbelief. I just want to believe. Tonight, what's in a name? I say everything. So we can get those candles out and lit. And Jason, I'm going to turn it over to you and I'm going to pray. Father, I just pray that tonight everyone will think about the names of Jesus. And maybe they'll do their own personal studies. Help everybody here tonight who's a believer in Jesus Christ be so thankful that your names reveal your character and the hope that you give. And how I pray that everyone here doesn't have a name like Judas, but has a name that's on that white stone, a name that's written in the book of life, a name that's written on them in a way that that's tied in with the name of God for all eternity. How I pray, God, that everyone has that name. And I thank you, Jesus, that you were also called the light of the world. May we think about who you are as we now light these candles. In Jesus' name, amen.